Father, as we talk tonight about the last, um, last message on stuff, we talk about interpreting dreams and visions or, and, and the nature of dreams and visions, um, I ask you to help us. I know, I know a couple of weeks ago, we asked you to help us to begin to dream. Um, we ask you to reclaim the night seasons of our life. I read the Psalms and there's so much that went on at night. Uh, David's life was poured out before you at night in, on, in so many times, so many times, in so many ways. And I think that's a good example f- for us. I read the life of Jesus and I know that he was accustomed to getting up what appears to be in the night and going to a place of seclusion to pray. So we, we, we want you to reclaim the night seasons. And we ask you to help us tonight to understand the nature of dreams and visions. And we ask you to do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I want to begin tonight. This is not on your notes, but I, I've, <clears throat> over the past uh, two or three weeks, I've had three questions that were directed to me, and I thought it would be better to uh, probably address them with all of us here instead of just answering the people's questions, because a couple of them came from more than one source. Um, <clears throat> number one, um, about three people said, Pastor, I, I, you talked about dreaming and the time it takes to journal and all of that. Um, you know, I've got small kids at home or I've, I work a crazy shift or one thing or another. Some said I'm, I'm, I have a physical infirmity or I'm on medication that plays games with my dreams or, or keeps me from dreaming. Um, what, what do I do? Uh, in situations like that, because not, I'm not always able to do what my brother and sister in the Lord might be able to do. Well, uh, first of all, please understand that when we talk about things like dreams and visions, we talk about reclaiming the night seasons, we're talking about principles that are true, but they don't have to be the same for everybody. Not everybody is a dreamer. Uh, sometimes people will get upset because when we talk about hearing the Lord, they say, I've never heard the Lord. Well, first of all, I doubt that you've never heard the Lord, but it's not unthinkable that you might not hear the Lord like somebody else hears the Lord. It doesn't mean somebody's more spiritual or you're more spiritual or less spiritual. It just means we have different uh, personalities. We have different giftings. We have different experiences. Um, so I, I want to tell you that it's not you have to have seven dreams a month or you're unspiritual. It's not this model or that model. Um, uh, I, I, I can't emphasize enough that everybody has to find their own walk with the Lord Um, What's important is that you never discount things that are scriptural for your life. Um, You know, whether it's the pursuit of tongues or the pursuit of dreams or the, the ability to hear the Lord's voice. Jesus said, you know his voice. My sheep know my voice. But uh, a lot of people will say, oh, the Lord spoke to me. And they don't, they don't give that a clear understanding. They, they, don't, they, they don't say that the Lord spoke to me through these circumstances. 
or they don't say that over the course of two or three weeks, I just became more and more impressed that this was the will of God or the thing to do. So a lot of times we just, we don't, either we don't say things well or we don't hear things well, or we get frustrated because, well, God must love them more than he loves me. And that is not the case. Now, I do believe this. I do believe that the, the art of hearing God is exactly that. It's an art, not a science. You don't plug in one, two, and three, and then you, you start hearing God. Some people, like Samuel, it was part of their childhood. Uh, it came to Samuel at such an early age that he thought he was being called by Eli the priest. Um, a, a person, um, th that kind of thing may, may manifest itself in their life very early. Others, it may be later in life. It may even be after they think it's, it's too late, you know, to begin to experience things like that. Um, when the church was born on the day of Pentecost, and Peter quoted from the prophet Joel, he let us know that this would be multi-generational. He said, your young people, your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And he wasn't saying that if you see visions, that makes you young. And if you dream dreams, it makes you old. I've even heard some preachers say, yeah, people, old people just dream dreams because they missed what God was doing and they just dream about what could have been. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, that's not even remotely implied by the text. The text says this, uh, what, what it's trying to communicate is this, on young and old, God will pour out his spirit. Visions and dreams will be the domain of young and old, of, of highborn, lowborn. He said it's the heritage of everybody, but don't think for a minute that because your experience is different than someone else's, that your experience is less than someone else's. I grew up in a culture where um, you, you, it was very easy to tell if you were connecting with the audience or not because in the deathly si silence, you could hear somebody say, help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus. And that was a sincere prayer, and I appreciated those prayers, but it also was telling me, you ain't doing it. You're not connecting with us. And it was a, um, I, I've often said that I grew up in an environment where you could tell how anointed you were by how much of your shirt tail had been jerked out while you preached or how, if your hair was down in your eyes. And um, if you didn't preach that way, then they were saying, well, he's more of a teacher, which was a, a backhanded, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and I want to tell you, the, the biggest battles that I fought the first few years in ministry was that I did not measure up to someone else's definition of what a preacher was or, or, or wasn't. So I don't, I don't want you to feel like if there's any lack of something in your life, that that is something indicating you are less. You've just got to find your rhythm. You've got to find your pace. And um, sometimes I think God withholds things for us because we're too arrogant. If he was to reveal to us everything he wants to, it would destroy us. And sometimes God will withhold just so that we humbly seek him for his manifestation on his terms, not our terms. So I, I hope that answers the question. The uh, second thing that a couple of people ask is, you said we shouldn't say, thus saith the Lord, but, but that's the way the word of the Lord came to me. 
I, I understand. And I, and I do need to give a little qualifier there. I don't think it's wrong if you receive a word where you hear the phrase, thus saith the Lord, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that means that it's a false word. I just think, um, you, you, I think the more you hear from the Lord, the more important it is that you use that phrase very selectively. Because in the scripture, the prophets would prophesy, but when they said, thus saith the Lord, that was a different animal. That was, you can count on this regardless, unless the Lord specifically said it was a conditional thing. Um, it, was, it was the idea of God using his name to speak, and it was the idea of an, of an oath. And when a prophet said, thus saith the Lord, it was like, this is decided in heaven. Now, I think we, we have a couple of places where that's not necessarily the case, because you get a thus saith the Lord, and then he gives a conditional prophecy. But um, <clears throat> I think um, the New Testament, we don't hear thus saith the Lord like we do in the Old Testament because it's a different, different dynamic, a different place. But um, I don't think the prophetic had changed, but I, th I, th I think some of, the, some of the dynamics of it had changed. And um, you do hear this phrase that um, Agabus, for instance, who was a prophet, it says Agabus spoke by the Spirit. Uh, in other words, this was something spoken by the Spirit. You see a couple of times at very, very critical junctures in church history, you, you see the phrase, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. And that was the idea of saying, we believe that this is what God is saying. We believe this is right. We believe that this path we're walking, you know, one was, one was the evangelization plan of the church at Antioch. Um, the other was the inclusion of Gentiles. You and I are welcomed into the family of God today because those men in Jerusalem said it seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us to follow this path. Um, they, didn't, they didn't blow opponents away with uh, thus saith the Lord. Um, if thus saith the Lord is used, it should always, it should always be used as an encouragement and not as a challenge. Um, uh, I can't even say always because it depends on who you're prophesying to. There are some folks that need the challenge. I understand that. But I'm saying generally, um, we, we, we see in the New Testament a softer tone, not a, not a less authoritative tone, but a softer tone because in the New Testament, um, in the Old Testament, you had men and women that were prophets. That was their role. In the New Testament, we still have men that were prophets and women that were prophets. Uh, Philip's four daughters uh, were, were prophet, would you say prophetesses? That's a long word. They were lady prophets. And, um, and, and Agabus was designated as a prophet. But we don't know what they prophesied in, de in detail. But we know that Agabus, he spoke by the Spirit. It's used twice, I think, depending on which version you read. Um, everybody understood that Agabus was speaking for the Lord, but it was, it was brokered to the people as this, I'm speaking by the Spirit. Um, Paul realized there were levels of that. He uh, was speaking to the Corinthians, and I think it's chapter 7, uh, and, I, and he says it one other place. Uh, and I can't remember where it is off the top of my head, but um, Paul said this. He said, I'm not speaking this 
In chapter 7, he was talking about marriage and whether you should marry or not marry in the present distress. He said, I'm not speaking this by the commandment of the Lord, but I'm speaking as one, and he said it very humbly, I'm speaking as one who has the Spirit of God and has wisdom. So you need to listen to what I'm saying. It's not a command, but what I'm saying makes sense. So the, the whole genre of the prophetic in the New Testament was not, thus saith the Lord, you better listen to me. The, the, the prophetic was, was uh, encouragement, uh, edification, strengthening, but there was also correction. There was also correction. Paul said, listen, because you've perverted the ways of the Lord, you will lose your sight and you will not see the light of day for a season that you may learn not to blaspheme. I mean, I'd, I'd say that's not positive. That's not encouraging. And the guy went blind for a season. Um, uh, um, Agabus prophesied what was going to happen to the church in Jerusalem, the famine. It came to pass. He prophesied that Paul would be turned over to the Gentiles um, when he went back to Jerusalem. Uh, some say, well, that didn't happen. He was arrested by the Jews. And he eventually got turned over to the Gentiles. He went to the Roman prison and a Roman trial. So it very definitely happened. So it's not that prophecy is less but um, we, we need to understand that um, while there are prophets in the church, we're all called to a prophetic ministry. So I just, I think the, I think the edge is off just a little bit. And um, I, that's why I say, thus saith the Lord should be used very, very sparingly. And um, if, there's, if there is, uh, I, I think it would help a lot of prophetic people as well as prophets to learn to say, I feel like the Lord has shown me this, instead of just demanding that we believe it. I don't mean to bring up bad things. I'm trying to move past it. But the past presidential election in the prophetic community, there was no room for anything except for you to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, then you're not believing God. And the prophets painted themselves into a corner and, um, and, and, and divided the church largely. Um, the church was already divided over whether there are any prophets. And then those of us who believe that there are got divided further because they, they didn't allow any, any, anybody to disagree with them. But it would, it, would, it would give you, if you operate in a prophetic ministry, it would give you um, a, a much easier job to just in humility say, I believe this is what the Lord is showing me. You judge it. Um, um, I, I, I think, I think that, that, that would help us. Now, the third question is, uh, um, Pastor, you said that uh, you made a reference. This is, it, it uh, be sure, yeah, I want to be sure I was using the words right. Um, uh, Pastor, you made a reference about us prophesying out of our own spirit instead of the spirit of the Lord. Um, how do I know if it's the spirit of the Lord or my own spirit? Um, I, I, boy, that's its own lesson. But let me, let me explain to you what I mean. And I think that will probably answer your questions. Um, when I say that we can prophesy from our own spirit, first of all, that's a phrase used in the Old Testament. 
The Lord said uh, in, in, in Jeremiah, he said it again, depending on which version you read, it could be translated a little differently in Ezekiel uh, and, and Isaiah. Uh, they all had reference to prophets who were prophesying out of their own spirit. Uh, and God said in one occasion in Jeremiah, he said, I have not sent them. They are prophesying out of their own spirit. Um, not that they were prophesying by an evil spirit. I, th I think prophecy can have uh, three sources. In fact, that is well, one of the primary uses of the discerning of spirits uh, as a gift of the spirit. There was the need for the church to discern, is this God we're hearing? Or is this the enemy we're hearing? Or is this just somebody with an ax to grind? You know, is this somebody that's just had an argument with their wife and they're on edge? And that's sometimes because we know the language so well, we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know what we are hearing and to understand, uh, we'll talk about this more tonight, to understand what we're hearing. When I say, first of all, we know when someone speaks by the power of the enemy. It, it's evil, it's, 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 it's like a, a bad piece of fish. It smells bad, it tastes bad. Everything about it is bad. It's fairly easy to determine when someone is speaking by an evil spirit. Um, I think it's fairly rare in a church like ours. Um, I mean, anything can happen in any church, but I think we have a pretty mature congregation and um, people that are speaking from the enemy don't, don't find a lot of audience here. So I'm thankful for that and that's to your credit. Um, and then when we speak from the Lord, um, even that is to be uh, subject. Paul told the Corinthians, when a prophetic word comes forth, let the elders judge it. Um, and there's nothing wrong. It's not quenching the spirit for the leaders of a church to decide, is this God that we've heard or is this something else? Now, I, I don't think there's, it's often that we hear a demonic prophecy. But I think that um, the likelihood in any church, I'm not just talking about our church, any church, it's the likelihood of um, hearing someone prophesy out of their own spirit is a lot more likely than someone giving a demonic prophecy. Um, you say, what, what does it mean to prophesy out of your own spirit? It just means that you speak from your heart not the heart of God. It's not necessarily bad, may not even be wrong, but it's just out of your spirit. Um, and the same can be said of, of dreams and what have you. Um, we, we, need to, um, um, we need to understand that when we have a, a message in tongues, and that usually happens in smaller groups, although I wish it happened more in, in this setting, but uh, it generally happens in smaller groups. And there is an interpretation to that, or there is someone with a prophetic word that they, that they want to give. Um, we need to understand that we can very well be hearing from the Lord, and it can be for the body, and it needs to be shared, it needs to be interpreted. Or we could be speaking from our own soul, and what all that means, it doesn't mean that you're demonized, it doesn't mean that you're not used of the Lord. You just have to make a decision. Is, is the Lord speaking this to me? Or is the Lord speaking this for the church? Um, I want to tell you, a pastor that has to preach two or three times a week, 
uh, like most pastors do when they start out. Uh, you know, I, I had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every week, um, you know, almost without exception. And that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to, to feel like you're hearing from the Lord for three messages. And I had to really train myself when I opened the Bible to not look for a sermon. I, I, had to, I had to let the Lord speak to me. And so what I would usually do is I would, if I was preaching a New Testament series, my devotion would come from the Old Testament. I, I didn't, I, I wanted to keep the two separate because it's very easy to, to, to superimpose. First of all, you can make, you, you can keep the Lord from speaking to you by, by making it a sermon. And then on the other hand, you can keep the Lord from speaking to you, um, well, by doing it that way, but you can also burden the church with what God is speaking to you. And he's not speaking that to the church, he's speaking it to you. Um, and the, the, the list goes on and on of that kind of thing. Dreams, let me explain the way that works in dreams. Um, the, the, God can give you a dream that's a spiritual dream and has a significant meaning, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But you can also have a dream that is just all over the place. It may be disturbing, it may be encouraging, but it's not from the Lord. It's your mind processing stuff. Um, and people will tell me frequently, and, I, and, and I've been there myself, where I have a dream and I don't know what to do with it because I know that's not, that's not the way things are in reality. Uh, you know, I had a dream one night of breaking up a fight in heaven, you know, and I know that that was not a dream from the Lord because that's not the nature of heaven, but it disturbed me so much. And I realized, um, it, it took me a little while, but I realized I, I was hurt with one, with somebody in the dream, a relative that had, had hurt me. It had not meant to hurt me, but it hurt me. And, um, something had happened where kind of the fruit of that was, was on my mind that day. And I realized in that dream that night, I was processing the hurt that I had experienced from that person, the disagreement we had years ago. And if I had let it, I could have couched it in spiritual terms, but it was just me processing that event in my life. And when I woke up and, and, and got a few hours past it, I realized, no, that's what, that's what was happening. That, that's what was happening. Um, uh, it, it is very possible, if not, I won't say likely, but it is not uncommon, I'll put it that way, for us, our dreams are just us processing unresolved stuff through the day. You ever, you ever uh, have one of those busy days, especially if you're a shy person, if you're a shy person and we're coming up on the time where you have the office Christmas party, the family Christmas party, this Christmas party, that Christmas party, and then you dream, you know, that you're walking out downtown in your underwear, you know, um, that's, that's probably not the Lord giving you any kind of special message. That's probably just the mind of a shy person saying, I've had too much of crowds. I'm, 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 I feel very vulnerable. I feel exposed. And that's not an uncommon kind of thing. There's a lot of underwear dreams that we probably shouldn't talk about in church, but it's not a spiritual thing usually. It can be, God can do anything, but it's usually our, our, our personality 
processing what we're going through. Um, so that's what I mean by you can speak from your, from your spirit. You can, you can miss God and say that you're hearing God, and that's dangerous. But that doesn't mean that you have an intent to deceive or to mislead. We just, uh, I, I had a, a, a loved one, um, nobody you would know, uh, not, not my family here, but a member of my family that dreamed about somebody that had just gone to heaven. And this loved one said, well, I saw this, 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 and this. And I, 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 heaven's not what I thought it was because these things happen. And I, I'm just surprised that I saw that in heaven. And, you know, I said, you didn't see that in heaven. You saw that in your dream. You're processing this incredible loss that you've had. And, and you, you're just, you've got to get, let all of this settle. You got to let this settle. Um, please understand that some medications can cause you to have technicolor demon dreams. And um, uh, some medicines can keep you from dreaming. So I'm just saying that's what I mean by out of your spirit. Now, let's talk about the outline tonight. Um, I probably should have had one more session called answers to questions, but um, I want to talk about, I called it the family of dreams. Um, and, and I guess maybe a better title instead of dreams, that's just kind of a catch all, but there are other spiritual encounters that are not dreams. So uh, I think, I think Rick Joyner has a good, uh, a good handle on this when he refers to words from the Lord that he receives as prophetic experiences. Sometimes it's a dream, sometimes it's a vision, sometimes it's, it's something else. And I, I, think, I think that he's, he's right about that. I think we can call them prophetic experiences. Um, now, let's talk about at least four types of prophetic experiences we can have. Um, number one, there is an inner, what we call an inner vision. This is um, kind of uh, maybe the most common or the most easy to miss because this is simply a picture or an image you see with your inner man, your spirit. Somebody called it a sanctified imagination, but it's not, it's not imagination. It's more than that. It's something that you see. Uh, like right now, I see you, I see Justin, I see Dave, I see everybody. But, but right now, the Lord could be showing me something that I'm seeing at the same time I'm seeing you. Um, I remember... Uh, Oh, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe three or four years ago, somebody came up and, and, and said to Justin, and I think it was, and Justin told me, they said, I see angels in the congregation. Now, on one hand, we shouldn't be surprised at that, but it, it's, you don't usually hear people saying, I saw angels in the congregation. But um, it, was, it was particularly meaningful to me because in, uh, if I'm remembering the details correctly, in the earlier service when I was preaching, I, I, I saw everybody. I never lost my consciousness. I never slowed down. I never lost my train of thought. I never quit preaching. But I saw, if I'm remembering correctly, I saw four angelic beings in different parts of the congregation. I'd never seen that before. I haven't seen it since but I knew that there were angelic beings in this place. 
And it was pretty much the way this person described it. Um, I, I call that an inner vision. It was a picture or image that I saw in my spirit, but it did not, it did not eradicate anything else from my view. It was, whenever you have what I call an inner vision, it's almost like the Lord saying, look at this, look at this. Um, in the book of Jeremiah, the Lord says maybe three or four times to Jeremiah, what do you see, Jeremiah? And, and um, that's the way an inner vision has come to me. It's almost like the Lord says, what do you see? And, and it's, it's hard to define. And it's the most dangerous type of revelation because it's, you're tempted to think it's just imagination. And you can imagine anything. All I can say is when you see this, it's, it's amped up. You know it's not just a thought that you're having. It's more than imagination. It's like the Spirit is saying, um, look at this. The closest thing I can compare it to is in some of today's you know, newer vehicles. You, you have a rear view mirror that's just a mirror. But then you know, maybe back up or maybe temperature or direction. There's another image that comes up on the mirror. It doesn't present or prevent you seeing out the mirror, but it gives you information. And it's almost like a double exposure in the old days of, of having, you know, when, when you took pictures with a camera and had the film, if you didn't advance the film, you could have a double exposure. That's kind of like what we see when we're looking in a rearview mirror. And that's kind of the best way I know to describe for, for me, for you, it may be different. An inner vision. And I, I, you know, when I, when I have an inner vision, I don't need to pull the car over because I can't see where I'm driving, but I, I know what I'm seeing. And I know that the Lord is showing me this, but it does not interfere with the, with this dimension. Now, the second thing, and I, again, I'm doing the best I can to explain it because there aren't a lot of verses to say, this is what this looks like, or that's what that looks like. In fact, a good number of the prophetic encounters we read about, we're not sure what they look like to the person that received them. Um, <clears throat> number two, uh, it's what I call an open vision. This is something that you see with your eyes wide open. Now for me, when I see an open vision, it's not like a double image where I'm, or a double exposure. Um, it's, it's like I, am, I see something that was not there a moment ago. That becomes the reality. It's not the blending of two things. Uh, it's, it is, um, uh, it, it's a different reality. Um, I, I told you uh, one time about a, a vision that I had about um, angels that were camped in my front yard. And um, I, I won't tell you what it meant and, and how it was an answer to prayer and all that. But I had prayed about something and I needed to know that the angel of the Lord was camped round about me as the Psalms say. And when I got up the next morning, I had parked at the front door on the grass, which um, my wife tells me not to do, but I, I did it anyway. And I told her, I said, if I'd listened to you, I'd have missed this whole thing here. But um, she didn't believe it. But um, I, I went out and I cranked up the truck. And then in front of me was another reality. It was a campsite 
Um, and there were angels seated there. And that, it wasn't like a, I caught a fleeting glimpse or it wasn't like a double exposure. That was my front yard. My front yard was the campground of angels. And um, there have been times, you know, when that happens, I'm, I'm bad about kind of rubbing my eyes to be sure that I'm really seeing what I'm seeing. Um, and and it, it was there for, oh, I don't know. I don't, it's been so long. I don't remember, maybe 10 seconds. And, and, then, and then left. Um, I call that an open vision. I see another reality and the old reality disappears. I was driving down, again, I'm telling you what I saw. I'm not telling you the details that'll make it believable, but I was driving down an interstate um, going from Texas into, into Mississippi uh, up that way. And um, I was asking God about something and I, I saw a magnificent city and I, I'll be honest with you, I thought, boy, that, I get, is, am, I, am I this close to Memphis? Because that was the next big town I was coming to. And then I thought, Memphis doesn't have buildings like that. And um, I looked at it and I looked at it and I, I just knew it was otherworldly. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it represented. But, um, and, and I think the Lord gave me an answer to that later. But I said, Lord, that's... There's no city that I'm aware of that is that close that I can see it. And it, it looked like it would have been probably eight or ten miles, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I rubbed my eyes and I looked again. I blinked and I, I said, Lord, is this really here? Um, and I did that twice and it stayed there. And I said, Lord, there is no town. I am, I am in cotton farmland. Help me understand. And then I looked and it was gone. And I didn't understand what he was showing me for quite a while later. But that's the kind of thing that I call an open vision. Um, then there are what I call night visions. These are what we call dreams. Dreams. And dreams is, is really kind of a, in the Bible, it's used to, to at some point to talk about having a dream. It's sometimes talking about a vision. Sometimes it's talking about uh, um, a, a trance. All of those turn, all of those events go by the title dreams at some point in scripture. But when I'm talking about night visions, I mean basically what we would call dreams. We're not awake, we're in an unconscious state uh, or we are in the twilight of, of waking and we're not sure if we're awake or not. That's what we're most familiar with. That's probably what we have most of the time. And it's called uh, a dream. And then fourthly, um, now, now an inner vision is the most dangerous because it's easy to mistake what you want to see for something that the Lord, and think it's something that the Lord is showing you. An open vision is, uh, is uh, it's intensified and it's more than an inner vision. It's something that you see, but um, it, it's, it, it, you have to trust your relationship with the Lord because there's no measurable way of saying, I, I know this is, 
this is real. Dreams are the most common, but I think that dreams are the most frequent. And I think dreams are where God can communicate the most to us. Because we, what I think inner visions and open visions are very brief. But dreams can, can be long and dreams can be, um, I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you dreamed in parts. You know, two or three parts, but dreams can go all through the night. Um, but you have to discern the dream. Uh, a trance is, the, to me, it's the safest in one respect, but it's the most rare. It's the most rare. It's a temporary intrusion of the spirit world into the natural world. It can be conscious or unconscious. When I'm talking about a trance, and I can count on one hand and have enough fingers to poke you in the eye left over, um, when, when I've had a trance, it was, it, it was uh, it's very rare to me, very rare. And um, I, I see that in nothing else. I see that in nothing else. Um, and, and usually um, when it's a trance, it's um, really, I'm talking about three in my life. Uh, it's very real and, and, and it's very much in my mind. I know it's from the Lord, but um, I see that and nothing else. Now let's talk about interpreting these. I, again, I use the word dreams. Let's talk about interpreting the, these prophetic um, experiences. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to use the word dreams and I'm going to talk about dreams, but understand that I'm talking about all of these experiences, okay? Um, number one, if you're going to uh, be serious uh, about the Lord showing you dreams, I, I tell you what I have found in my life, again, I can only tell you in my life, um, the Lord will, will take me as seriously as I take him. Um, I think a lot of times we have dreams and we don't trouble ourselves to write it down. We, we don't talk about it to anybody. All we know is something bothered us about the dream or something marvelous about the dream. And what you'll find is that most people, when they try to recite a dream, they only remember snippets or they only remember some big images. And it's because they didn't write down the dream. I, I think that's important. Uh, my pastor used to say the, the, um, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. And uh, I think if God shows you a dream, you need to record the dream. Now, you've got to be willing to invest some time because uh, I had two dreams the other night. And I realized it took me 40 minutes to write out those dreams with the detail that the Lord gave me. Now, I don't spend 40 minutes a day reciting dreams, recording dreams. But I'm saying sometimes that will happen. Um, sometimes, uh, like those two dreams... It took up like six pages in my journal. That's not common. You, oftentimes I'll have a dream and I'll say, I dreamed this and this is what the Lord spoke to me. And it's, it's a paragraph. But uh, I would encourage you to record the dream for two reasons. You won't remember everything like you think you do. I have, I have, uh, I have recited a dream, for instance, uh, it said, the Lord, this is what I dreamed the Lord showed me. And then when I'd go back to make a note in my journal, I, I realized I recited it wrong. I mean, it, the message was right, 
but the details were wrong. And it wasn't that I had in my heart to deceive. I, I just, I had forgotten. So I think it's good to record the dream. And then you would ask the question, what about symbolism? Is the dream symbolic? Or, or the next question there, is it literal or is it figurative? Um, people ask that question this way. Is it real or not real? That's not the question. Symbolism can be just as real as literal revelation. The book of Revelation is, I believe, an apocalyptic book, which means it's almost all symbolism. And if you want to get a headache, you try to interpret every verse of Revelation literally. And people say, well, praise God, it's God's word. I'm going to interpret it literally. Well, you're crazy to do that if it's symbolic. You know, um, you say, well, I believe, the, I believe the word of God is literal. Well, nobody in here would marry the woman described in the Song of Solomon. She, she, she's worse than Frankenstein's monster. You know, uh, oh, it's, he, he wasn't saying that her breast really looked like this or her neck really looked like that or her nose really looked like that. He was trying to talk about how beautiful she was. And, um, you know, I read some of it and I think, mm, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know. And, uh, you know, it's like a song my daddy used to sing. You, you're so sweet, horse flies keep hanging around your face. I mean, it's, it, the sentiment is there, but it's not always the best wording. And um, I, I'm, I'm talking about in the natural. Of course, God's word is God's word. But, but what I'm trying to say is we, we often, people say, do you believe that, uh, Revelation is literal or is it figurative? And in their mind, they're saying, is it real or is it not real? No, it's, it's, it's whether it's symbolic or whether it's literal, it's true and it's real and it's actual. Billy Graham got in such trouble. I'm trying to hurry guys, but Billy Graham got in such trouble because he said he wasn't sure if hell was literal flames. And um, he, boy, he got pounced on. And all he was saying is, it's not our bodies that go to hell. It's our spirit that would go to hell. So why wouldn't the flames be spiritual flames instead of physical flames? Because physical flames wouldn't have an effect on the spirit. But he said, I don't want to go to hell, whether it's physical flame or spiritual flame. Because he was saying, whichever it is, it's real. It's real. So you do have to decide this about your dreams. Um, is God showing you something symbolically? Is God showing you something symbolically? Um, I, again, this is, this is my opinion, but you can, you can buy books and, and, and it, it's, it works for those people. But there are some people that'll write books and they'll say, when you dream about a, a vehicle, it's always talking about this. Or when you dream about this color, it's always talking about this. And that may be, that may be the way it has been in their lives. But I have never once been helped by going to a book that said, interpreting your dreams, this is what purple means. Or, or this, and again, some people have. I'm not faulting that. And if that's the way God speaks to you, it's fine. But what I'm speaking against is us trying to use somebody else's language 
to interpret our dreams. Um, so, you know, if, if you may, like for instance, I, I will say this, I have never dreamed of a serpent that was good. I've never dreamed of a serpent that was good. But I think that's pretty much a universal thing in Christianity, um, the, 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 nature of the, uh, the nature of the serpent. Um, but just be careful, you know, and uh, people that teach courses in dreams will tell you to keep a dream vocabulary. That might be helpful. When, when I've seen this, it, it spoke of this. And you may find a pattern. But I, I want to tell you, uh, with me, it has usually led me down a wrong path of interpretation, not a good path. Um, and, and I had to go back and, and start over. That's, that's just me. It may not be that way with you. So you've got to determine when God gives you a dream, is it literal or, or is it um, figurative? Uh, I had a dream one time that was very disturbing about someone that I knew. And I knew that it was from the Lord. And um, the, the, the person that I knew was very troubling, very, very belligerent, very much an enemy of the cross. And I said, Lord, help me. I said, I know you can't lie and I know you don't make mistakes, but I can't believe this person would ever do this. This person is my friend. I just can't believe they would ever do this. And I had a brand new experience. I prayed, I fasted some about it. And I said, Lord, help me to understand. Are you warning me that this person's going bad? And um, the Lord said, I'm telling you that this is going to happen. And I showed you that these are my words, but this is a condensation of it. I showed you this person because the person that will cause this extreme trouble is a relative of theirs. If I showed them to you, you would not have any idea of who I was talking about. But I showed you this person so that when this other person came, you'll know who they are because they're a relative, a close relative of this person. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. And, and um, so I, I realized then that sometimes things are figurative or, or are symbolic. Um, now here's another question. Do we share or not share when God gives us a dream? Um, well, that's a, that's a tough one because it goes back to you have to have the maturity of saying, um, what is God trying to say? You know, if I go up to Justin and say, Justin, I had a dream about you last night. Angela got mad and left you and took off the, with the kids and you never saw them again. But be encouraged. God's in control. I, I think I would have been far better off to go into a period of intercessory prayer for Justin instead of burdening him down with something that I'm, I may not even know what it means yet, you know. Um, so we, we, we've, and then there are other things, you know, you look at Joseph who shared his dreams and boy, we picked on poor old Joseph. I've done it too. Well, that just goes to show you, you shouldn't tell your dreams. It got Joseph in trouble. Um, and I thought, boy, that probably wasn't a wise thing. Probably never a wise thing to say, hey, I saw you bowing down to me. Um, God showed me that. And then when you say God showed me, it's, it makes it worse. But then I started thinking that got Joseph exactly where God wanted him in Egypt. Now, maybe if he had just kept his mouth shut, God could have worked it out another way. 
But I'm saying it's kind of hard to say definitively you ought to share or you ought not to share. Because sometimes, even if we don't, I don't think Joseph used wisdom. Uh, because it seems like his father, even though his father was offended, the indication is that his father, who was a dreamer himself, understood something was going on, even though it made him mad. So you've just got to ask the Lord, you know, Lord, do I share it? Do I share it all? Um, do I share the essence of it? When Peter, uh, he talked about his trance that he also called a vision. When he talked about his trance where the, the basket of animals came down and the Lord told him to, to kill and eat, we have the details laid out. But later, you know, a couple of chapters later, when he's relating the experience of what happened, he gives a very abridged version. He doesn't give any of the detail, at least not in that account. So what we, but we know he told it because we have it in, in scripture. Uh, Luke knew about it and wrote it down. So I think the key is just, Wait and hear from the Lord. If God is able to invade your dreams, wait until the same God gives you instruction on how to share it. Because I, I can't tell you how many times through the years, and, and it's probably been the same thing with you, I just get demoralized by somebody meaning something good, but striking terror in my heart by just saying, this is what I dreamed. And, and it's like, oh, great. You know, this, this, is, this is great. And, and I know they mean well, but, it's, but they have, I know God showed me this. Well, then wait until God tells you what to do with it. Um, there's uh, basically, sometimes you'll share the essence. Um, you know, if, if I'd had that dream about Justin and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with him, I might, instead of saying, Justin, I saw this, this, that, and I might just say, Justin, I've just been burdened for you and Angela, and I just want you to know I'm praying. The Lord's put you on my heart. And that is not going to be devastating to Justin. And, and it, may, it may lead him to open up and talk to me. And I may have to share something later, but um, I, th I think you understand where I'm going. Um, so that's the, that's the thing about sharing or, or not sharing. And then interpreting dreams. Boy, I needed more time tonight. Interpreting dreams is basically this. If God is concerned enough about it to show you something, let him in, give you the interpretation. Um, sometimes it's very difficult. Daniel saw some dreams that made him sick, made him physically sick. And you may see some things that make you physically sick and you just say, man, I just, I just got to unload this. You know, um, I call it spiritual vomiting. It just isn't sitting well and I need to get rid of it. And I understand that. But I think if we, I think it's part of our maturing process to hold on to that thing long enough to let God show us what it means and what to do with it. Because sometimes with me, Sometimes I, I dream often and I dream a lot. And sometimes I see a dream and I, uh, and I say, oh, I know what this is. This is obvious. This is a no-brainer. But as I, pray, as I pray over it, as I pray over it, I realize that I'm interpreting it totally, 
totally wrong. This is a, about a vision. I've told you this, but it's as good an illustration as I know. Jack Deere talked about somebody that was very prophetic. He's sitting in church. He sees a man sitting about halfway back, and he sees over that man a dark cloud with a dollar sign in the cloud, and then the word embezzlement. And so the man says, I, you know, I've, I've seen enough visions. I understand how this works. And he told the pastor, that man back there is, is tell me about him. He said, oh, he's a businessman. He's very, he said, he's embezzling. He's an embezzler. And the pastor said, I, I, are you sure? I, I, that's nothing like we've seen in this man's character. He said, the Lord has shown me. And if you, if you understand I'm a prophet, you understand that man is, in, is an embezzler. Um, the man was confronted. He didn't know what they were talking about. The prophet said, well, he's a liar. Who's going to admit that they're an embezzler? Well, the prophet did see that. He did see the cloud. He did see the dollar sign. He did see the word embezzler. But what the prophet did not wait to hear is not that he was an embezzler. It's that his partner was embezzling from him. And that's a totally different thing. So what do I do? There are four things that need time. And I encourage you to let these four things mark the way you handle dreams and visions. Okay. And I will say this. Don't fall into the trap of not being a spiritual person and thinking that dreams and visions are a shortcut. I have seen it. It is a bane of Pentecostal churches where people don't have their life right. They're living in sin. They have a slipshod Christian life, but they have a gift and they put all their eggs. They think that somehow that that gift, you know, wipes out all of their other inconsistencies. And don't fall into that trap. I don't think we've got much of that in this church. I thank God because I think you are people of moral character. And I, and I mean that sincerely. But be careful because um, if you're not careful, you will find yourself playing to your gifts. See, it's what Samson did. He, he, he knew that he had a gift. He knew that he had an anointing. And so he gets up from an, a bed of adultery and exercises his gift. But he didn't realize that one time, he didn't realize that the spirit had departed from him. And the more gifted you are, the more dangerous it is for you to walk away from the, from the prayer closet. The more dangerous it is. The more gifted a pastor is, the better speaker he is, the better communicator he is, the more absolutely essential it is for him to stay in the presence of God. And it's true in any other ministry. But here are the four things we want to master. Number one, there's the art of receiving. Understand this, God, let me, let me say it this way. Receiving or hearing is the easy part. God could speak to Pharaoh. He could speak to Abimelech. He could speak to Nebuchadnezzar. Receiving a dream or a vision is not a mark of spirituality. It may be that you're so hard-hearted, God can't speak to you any other way than to get you in bed and hold you down and speak to you in a dream or vision. So remember, dreaming is the easiest thing. The second thing that we must wait on the Lord for is interpreting. Because especially, Daniel's a good example of this, Ezekiel's a good example of this. 
when a, when a dream comes from the Lord, it is very easy, it is very easy to let your emotions be carried away because sometimes a dream is disturbing. Sometimes a dream is frightening. Sometimes a dream is a warning about for you or for somebody else. And, and we, have, we have to not let our emotions take us down a road that is going to get us in trouble. We must wait. And the same God that received or, or gave the word for us to receive is the God that will tell us how to interpret it. Okay, here's the third one. Do I speak it or not speak it? Um, I, I, will tell, I will tell you this. I am, I am finding that more and more and more of the dreams and encounters that I have from the Lord, especially about people, the Lord does not allow me to share. He calls me to pray. I'm going to give you another pain in the butt disclaimer. If you are not willing to pray over the revelation God gives you, don't, don't embrace the ministry of dreams and visions. Because the more God uses you, the more he will call on you to pray. Um, and and it's, you, you may be surprised that God does not allow you to speak all the time what you know. Um, there, there have been, and it's happened, people praying for me I didn't know about until later. Um, I've, I've, I've done it to people. It's been done to me where somebody says, uh, pastor, how are you doing? Or I'll say, I use Justin again, Justin, how are you doing? And Justin has no idea, but I've been praying about something for four or five months and I've watched him dip into this thing. I mean, I'm using Justin as a, for instance, there's, this isn't an actual event. And I, see, I watch him walk through this and then I see him come out on the other side and he may never know that I've been praying for him and, and through the night, you know, over and over and over and over again. Or somebody says, Pastor, I just want you to know, I, I know that you've had a rough four or five months and, and sure enough, I've had a rough four or five months with something and I just want you to know I've been praying. They, they had a dream and they didn't tell me about it because God didn't let them tell me about it, but they took it to prayer. Uh, in one case, at least, they took it to prayer daily until God told them that I was through it. And then if he does want you to, to speak, ask, ask him when, when do I say this? Um, you say, well, but if it's the Lord, you ought to just say, thus saith the Lord. Well, learn from, from Nathan, da uh, David's prophet. Nathan knew how to hear from the Lord. He knew, he knew David was in adultery. He knew David was a murderer. And he could have come in and said, thus saith the Lord. And, and no telling how David would have reacted. I mean, you just don't know. And that's why you... You know, I, I know they mean well, but people say, just, just preach the word. Don't worry about what people think. That's not smart either. And it's not because somebody's going to hurt you. It's because you lose people that you don't regard their feelings. Pastor's job isn't to make people miserable. Pastor's job is to reconcile people back to God. And Nathan said, let me tell you what happened, David. There was a man that had a huge flock of sheep. And he lived next to somebody that just had one little lamb. And the word that was used was the word for a pet. I mean, maybe they were gonna eat this 
lamb at one time and the kids just said, Daddy, you can't kill Estelle. You can't do this. And the, the, the lamb had become a pet. And the man who has, we don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of sheep, has a guest coming and he doesn't want to take out of his flock. So he takes little Estelle from next door and eats Estelle and provides her as a meal for his guests. And David got so angry. He said, God is my witness. The man that did this will die. And boy, everybody got tense and he thought, who is he talking about? And Nathan says, you are the man. You are the man. And it, it was a year before David was confronted with his sin, right at a year uh, from the time that he had Uriah killed and he committed sin with Bathsheba. It was, it was right at a year, um, or the better part of a year, because you know the story about the baby. And Nathan could have come in months earlier, God could have done, but no, God knew how to pierce David's heart and there's a difference between you just giving someone information and you letting the Spirit use you to pierce someone's heart. Because you remember, this, this business of dreams and visions is always about redemption. It's always about redemption. 